Hello, everybody. This is the Power Slam podcast being recorded on May 14th, 2018. This is your host, Brendan Dennis, and this is going to be a relatively short cast, um, but I just want to keep it concise. I want to keep it focused on the all-in event being put on by Cody and the Young Bucks in Chicago in the Sears Center on September 1st. Um, I'm not exactly the brightest bulb in the entire box because I'm actually going to be in Chicago that weekend and happen to be free on September 1st. Now, the only caveat being that uh, my girlfriend who you know puts up with my wrestling habit, I suppose, if nothing else, is also going to be with me and is probably going to you know want to go out and go to a nice restaurant or do something else besides literally be you know in a wrestling event in the Sears Center on September 1st. She's not exactly a wrestling fanatic. So... I did not purchase tickets. Uh, in retrospect, I could have purchased tickets for the resale market, but that's not really what this is about. Um, this is about Cody on the Young Bucks putting on a 10,000-seat show, something that Dave Meltzer, as you know, some months ago stated was frankly just not possible. He called out the independent scene in that respect, and Cody himself basically you know, took the call and said, you know what, I'm going to call you out. I think that we can put on the show and sell out a 10,000-seat arena, and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, put up our own funds between himself and the Young Bucks, and we'll see what transpires, and they've done it. Apparently, that's that's the big miracle here. So the tickets went on sale yesterday, May 13th, and they sold out same day. Here I said on May 14th, and supposedly if I go online, and check the website, I'm not going to be able to get anything. I haven't checked it, but that is what I'm being told. So I, I'd like to kind of explore why, well, why they took the you know um, chance and took on the challenge to begin with, what this means for wrestling as a whole, and, and you know why specifically it may have sold out. Um, so let's go back to what transpired to begin with, which is what I just alluded to, Dave Meltzer coming out saying that the independents couldn't sell a 10,000-seat arena. And this might have been precipitated, I can't recall, but it might have been brought on by Raw and SmackDown doing very poorly with their house show sales. Really, if it's not a house show at, like, MSG or a venue that very, very rarely sees WWE and is not near a more major market then they're probably going to struggle to sell the house show, uh, particularly if it's SmackDown, which at this point I don't totally understand because, to be honest with you, I'd probably rather go to a SmackDown house show, especially after this last superstar shakeup, than a Raw house show, but um, apparently there are those that don't feel the same way. So the, the WWE's been struggling to sell those shows. I mean, I would say that a lot of those house shows haven't even come close to 10,000. And even TV, I think they've been struggling to get maybe 10,000-plus crowds for some of these shows. And again, it's it's SmackDown. I don't think it should be SmackDown, but it is SmackDown. Um, that appears to be you know selling relatively poorly. So in any event, I, I think that may be what led to Meltzer eventually commenting on how you know the Indies would never be able to sell out a 10,000-seat show. And Cody said, you know what, I'm going to take you up on that. And this was an exceedingly difficult challenge. If you think about it, I don't believe outside of New Japan at the Tokyo Dome. Okay, New Japan, New Japan's Tokyo Dome show is the only show that I can think of off the top that sells that many tickets. 
and that is in an entirely different country. Okay, so that's for the top promotion in that country being Japan. And they sell well beyond that. I, I think, well, New, Wrestle Kingdom 12 was, what, 45,000 or something like that. But that is for, again, their own specific crowd. Here in the United States, when's the last time that somebody sold a 10,000-seat show that wasn't WWE? It was probably WCW. Okay. So New Japan hasn't show, sold a 10,000-seat show in the United States. Ring of Honor hasn't, even though... Their last attempt at Supercar 12, um, supposedly, I believe, drew somewhere around 6,000, okay? Um, Impact, I don't know that Impact ever has sold that many in its years. I don't think it's probably even come close. I'm, I'd be shocked if it sold 6,000, like Ring of Honor just did. And then you kind of go down the line with the smaller promotions from there. But suffice it to say, exceedingly difficult task because nobody's really done it in the United States. Again, since probably WCW, which for WCW pay-per-view, last time one ran was in 2001. And I don't even know if those got to 10,000. They probably didn't because they were terrible. So probably WCW 2000 was probably the last promotion that's non-WWE to sell a 10,000-seat show in the United States which is, or North America, period, which is kind of crazy to conceive, but that's probably true. So to do that to take on Meltzer's challenge from a social media perspective and turn that into a 10,000 seat packed arena is certainly something. Okay, now the other consideration that needs to be made here is how were they able to do it? How were Cody and the Young Bucks able to turn what would otherwise be looked at as kind of like a, you know, War of the World show, because right now you have to remember New Japan and Ring of Honor are on their joint, I guess I would call it joint, it's more of a Ring of Honor thing and New Japan lends talent, I suppose, uh, the War of the Worlds tour. And actually it just stopped in uh, Royal Oak here, where I went and saw NXT back in March, uh, just this past Saturday, May 12th. And I didn't go to that show, but the card, one of the reasons I didn't go to that show was that the card was severely disappointing. I think the main event of that show was like the Briscoes against Naito and Bushi. <laughs> and even though I would have I would have enjoyed seeing Naito come out and everything else, I don't think they had. Like Omega wasn't on the show, Okada wasn't on the show. So there were some really big New Japan names uh, missing. I don't even know if Ishii was on the show. Um, it just wasn't, you know, kind of a full New Japan variant. Um, so I decided to skip it, and I had other plans going on this weekend. But... You know, some of those War of the Worlds shows they had in the past, like Okada and Omega and all the big names, come to those shows. And then you kind of have to start to think to yourself, okay, if New Japan can put on a show like that in the United States and that doesn't draw, how are you going to draw to end up with the type of funds that you're looking for? And one of the ways to do that is not only the savvy social media marketing, which I think that they did and I think they deserve a lot of credit for in terms of getting this thing sold out, on the first day, but look at the ticket prices, okay? And I think that's where a lot of people have failed to take a substantial look at here. And maybe maybe some people will. I, this has only been a day, but a lot of the initial reaction from you know some of the stuff that I've read, there are some posts that mention this, but from the stuff that I read, discounts the fact that they've discounted the tickets. I mean, the tickets are not what you expect what were what you would expect tickets to be at at any type of show i mean ring of honor would probably sell tickets for more 
than what they're selling them for all in. Um, I think that the, uh, what is it, the front row tickets or the ringside tickets at all in were like 150 bucks a piece. And that's relatively affordable for a lot of people right now, especially if, with the economy doing well. Um, you know, for a major event to have ringside seats like that for a 10,000 seat show. So a lot of people jumped on board knowing that there are names that are going to be there. Now, Grand Rey Mysterio was introduced just yesterday, just a little bit, I think, before the sale took place. Um, or maybe it was on Saturday during their uh, press conference. But, you know, you knew that Omega was going to be there. You knew that Okada was going to be there. You know, I mean, if you're a big fan of, you know, Green Arrow, you knew that Stephen Amell was going to be there. And there were some other big names that had already committed, including, I think, this, this speculation out there that CM Punk should, could always show up. But if they were going to announce, you know, CM Punk, I think they would have done that ahead of time to help them sell because it's... it's much confidence as these guys have in themselves being Cody and the Young Bucks even they I think had serious doubts about whether they were going to be able to do this I mean Cody's goal for day one in terms of ticket sales was what I think four or five thousand and he sold the whole thing um, so discounting the ticket prices again it's Chicago is sort of a haven for wrestling just because it's a Midwest metropolis and there are a lot of wrestling fans in the Midwest. Obviously, I'm in the Detroit area. I know that we've got a pretty good wrestling following here. I'm sure there will probably be people from Detroit who are be, will be driving in, you know, the four, four and a half hours to get to Chicago to take a look at that. I just happen to be in Chicago that weekend. I'm not going to go. Um, but, you know, if I didn't have a girlfriend with me, that's probably something I would have done otherwise. Um, you know, and then people from Wisconsin, you know, coming up from Indianapolis, you know, people coming uh, from all over, Minneapolis maybe even. Um, and then who knows, maybe there will be some people flying in. But it was a smart, smart choice by Cody and the Young Bucks for the location just because, again, it is a wrestling-centric area. And it was likely that they were going to get a pretty sizable draw uh, I think probably the only pl other place that they could have run it and maybe expected to sell the same amount would have been New York City area or somewhere right there on the Atlantic coast, New York, Philly, D.C. Because there are, are obviously a lot of wrestling promotions out there on the Atlantic coast. And again, that's another area that's very wrestling heavy, wrestling popular. But So I think that the social media work by the Bucks and Cody got it done. I think that the discounted tickets certainly help significantly. I think that the build helps significantly, not just with the social media, but in addition, I guess you could constitute this as maybe social media, but like the podcasts. For instance, Jericho helped it significantly by releasing just two or three weeks ago, because I listened to it on the flight back from Dallas, um, his Young Bucks uh, recorded podcast for Talk of Jericho that he recorded back at Wrestle King. I think it was the night before Wrestle Kingdom 12. So he recorded that on like January 3rd and then released it in I believe the first week of May so he had that sitting for four months released it now a couple weeks ahead of the sale of the tickets taking place so that certainly could have helped them I don't know how many people listen to talk as Jericho that would have been in the market to purchase those tickets but just little things like that again um, adding to the build for all in I, now I think the area in which they lacked actually and it didn't impair itself out in the ticket sales because they sold out so quickly, but could have been an actual promotion of the matches. I mean, you've got the talent on the card, but we have absolutely no idea, as we sit here right now, what matches are taking place 
at the event. We just know who's going to be there. Now, if you really like the talent, you can kind of infer maybe what certain matches are, or you could just say to yourself, you know, I, I like these this wrestler or these wrestlers so much that no matter who they're in there against, it's, it's going to be a great match. Um, but it's not like Supercard of Honor 12 where you had you know, Cody versus Kenny for the first time for the Bullet Club leadership or, or some sort of storyline at this point um, ahead of selling the tickets. And maybe that's a little difficult considering ROH still has a lot of TV tapings to put on and New Japan has a lot of shows to run and you're running this independently. So it's hard to put on you know, a storyline that's going to fit in with New Japan and ROH that's going to be consistent with what you want to build for All In but at least give us a little bit of a tease as to who's going against who. I think that would have been nice to have seen. Um, but again, apparently the, the fans who purchased didn't care enough, and uh, they'll find out what it's going to be with the lead-up to All In. I'm wondering also, I haven't seen anything about this, but if Cody and the Young Bucks are going to potentially try to get this on pay-per-view uh, to get some additional revenue generated that way, I would imagine since most of their... Fans are kind of indie-type fans who are used to using, probably younger fans used to using streaming networks, things like that, that a traditional pay-per-view system probably wouldn't generate a ton of buys. Um, but I wonder if maybe they can't convince uh, Ring of Honor to put it uh, on their streaming system or New Japan to put it on New Japan World, something like that, and then maybe take some of the proceeds from whatever that organization or those organizations are able to pull in in terms of new subscribers so you know may maybe that's a deal that they can reach with those services but yeah I, I think that some additional revenue could certainly be made obviously there will be a lot of merch being sold at the event they've got the uh, it's not starcade but whatever they're calling it starcast i think taking place uh, prior to all in which i think is very smart in terms of the signings and all the other former wrestling stars that will be there which I a great another great marketing move obviously Cody very well connected through his family in the wrestling world and the young bucks you know have made their own inroads with with talent who they could probably contact um, but and kudos to these guys for doing this because the, the amount of guts that it took to put this on being their own money being leasing out the steer sear center being you know paying you know for staffing, everything else. I'm sure the overhead was more than any of the three of them had ever imagined taking on, you know, themselves. But uh, they did it, and it appears as though it's going to be profitable. I would imagine the profit margin is not going to be huge for them, certainly not on the gate. But again, when you look at merchandising, you look at some of the other stuff that's going to be involved here, uh, I would assume that they're going to make a pretty decent profit once everything's added up. So kudos to Cody, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson. They put it together and should have something special occurring on September 1st, 2018. And that leads me into the final portion of this discussion, which is what, what effect does this have going forward? What does All In mean for wrestling in 2018? And I don't think it's anything but positive, to be honest with you. I mean, you've already had guys like Jericho came out. Jim Cornette has come out. Um, again, already on social media here within 24 hours and congratulated Cody and the Bucks for what they've done. And somebody like Jericho is thinking to, to themselves, you know, man, this is fantastic because 
I don't necessarily have to work under the WWE umbrella anymore in order to receive a payday. And the answer is exactly that. You don't. You don't have to work under the WWE umbrella to get paid anymore in this business. And it's Cody and the Young Bucks who, in conjunction with some other guys like Kenny Omega, even potentially to a lesser degree because it's been more recent, uh, like Chris Jericho, who have made this happen. Now, you could say, well, what about all the guys, you know, remember all the WWE talents, the big names like that comprised the main event mafia back in the mid-2000s with TNA? Weren't those guys, to a degree, pioneers? And my answer to that is absolutely not, because WWE didn't want them. <laughs> that's, that's the difference here, okay? And I'm specifically making the comparison to Jericho, okay? Not some of the other WWE talents. Like, Cody's a little bit different. Not that WWE was, like, aching to have him all over the place, but they didn't exactly fire him either. He left of his own accord and did this. But what I'm saying is with the mid-2000s, you know, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Booker T, Hollywood Hogan, you know, Ric Flair when he was there, Kurt Angle, you know, those guys were ne never guys that WWE was going to sign on full-time. I mean, Chris Jericho could still get signed on as recently as last year to a full-time WWE run. So, these are guys that were still, you know, that were kind of floundering. I mean, WWE let Kurt Angle go because of his abuse problems. Same thing with Scott Hall. Booker T was sort of uh, past it when he came over to uh, TNA. Hogan is notorious for having his constant back and forth with the promotion. Uh, same things to a degree with Flair at the time. So... You know, none of those guys were guys that were necessarily in really good standing with WWE who they would have desired to have signed two full-time deals when they went over there. Chris Jericho is a different story. If Chris Jericho, WWE would like to sign Chris Jericho, I'm sure, to an exclusive contract for a year or two and have him come back and wrestle because he's still a draw. He still gets pops. He still still sends, sells merch. He is an overall profit for them. So there's no reason for them not to want to have him. Um, and he doesn't have any issues or animosity with Vince. You know, the company still is in good standing with him, and he's in good standing with the company. Now, who knows, maybe not as much anymore with all this indie stuff going on with him, but he certainly was. And the same thing to a degree with Cody Rhodes. I mean, Cody didn't have to go anywhere. Cody could have been in WWE forever, probably. Now, granted, he would have been floundering to a degree, but the company wasn't going to cut him, or it certainly didn't appear as though they were. So, to have guys that could have made the WWE money, again, maybe to a lesser degree with Cody, but have been involved in the organization and gotten a steady paycheck to take a chance and market themselves the way that they have on the indies and see more revenue from that in some instances than they were from WWE is phenomenal. Now, of course, Jericho at his peak was making more money from WWE than he ever would have made or will make, frankly, on the independent scene. But the main difference is being, one, he's towards the back end of his career, and I'm, and I'm not sure what WWE is paying him for his most recent runs. And two, he probably doesn't want to work a full-time schedule anymore. You know, Chris Jericho's you know turning 48 soon. Why does Chris Jericho want to, you know participate in a full-time WWE run at this point in his career. He's got Fozzie, he's got other interests, he's got talk as Jericho, um, you know, he's marketing himself in other ways. He doesn't need to, you know, wrestle full-time. He said on numerous occasions, if I wrestle 
great. If I don't, I don't. You know, I, it's not going to kill me one way or another, and I believe him. And if he sees a storyline or a match that he thinks is interesting, and right now, you know, the first one is with Kenny Omega, and this next one's with Tetsuya Naito, you know, he'll probably take advantage and do that instead. And then he's got the Rockin' Rager at Sea, Wrestling Rager at Sea, you know, which sounds like it could be awesome. Um, and that's happening as this cruise that he has in, I believe, October. So, you know, he looks at it as an opportunity to set his own schedule and to make money doing other things. And that's what he can do. Or he can be like Cody and look at it as I'm going to make low end money in WWE. It's still a nice paycheck, but I'm going to take a bet on myself, a chance on myself and see if I can't do better and make more. And I'm sure that Cody has made more on the independent scene than he did in WWE. I'm positive between the merch, the headlining uh, for the ROH shows, uh, proving it here at All In, and you can credit the social media again and and being the elite and what have you, but I can pretty much guarantee you that Cody Rhodes has made more on the independent scene than he made in WWE. And ultimately what this could do, a show of this size, 10,000 strong, selling out in no time, in Chicago, especially if that crowd shows up. And I don't think WWE is going to react to this until the show happens. But on September 1st, 2018, if the cameras light up again, I'm hoping that this somehow ends up being televised because I think they can make some additional money here. If the cameras you know, open up and show this full crowd that's just bonkers, full of smarks, what have you, um, that's just marking out for this independent wrestling promotion... Um, that put on by Cody and the Young Bucks, I think that would at that point grab at least Triple H's attention, if not Vince's attention, and make them say, well, wait a minute. What's going on here? What are they doing to sell out this house? Now, they're ru- not running you know, multiple shows a week all across the country and selling thousands of tickets like WWE does, but th- they haven't seen, again, WWE has not seen anything like this anytime recently. And this could even further embolden Cody and the Young Bucks, and not only them, but some of the other promotions, such as ROH, uh, New Japan, to a lesser degree, Impact, to say, you know what, maybe we can run a larger scale show here. Maybe if we promote it well enough, get the talent in, maybe we can do this. And I think specifically it's going to be New Japan and Ring of Honor. And getting together and maybe putting together, who knows, three, four major pay-per-views a year in different areas of the country to spread it out a little bit in eight to 10,000 arena seat arenas to see what they can't do. And if they can start selling tickets to those, if they price the tickets correctly and market it correctly, now all of a sudden there's a lot of eyebrows that are raised. And that's why I think that if everyone sees that this is a very large crowd here at Tier Center on September 1st, that's why... Vince and Triple H would react because they know that this could lead to their competition being emboldened and taking some swipes at them that they would have otherwise probably never even thought of taking. So for me, it's exciting because I think it's one of the, it's a bit of a baby step, but it's a step towards competition in the space. And doesn't, isn't that what everybody ultimately wants to see? I mean, as much as everybody, as WWE has been essentially the standard bearer and the flag bearer, wouldn't it be nice for them to have some competition to stay honest and to stay on top of their storylines and really deliver a product that everybody 
wants to see on a weekly basis. Because, I mean, you know, some of the SmackDown, and they've been doing better recently, but, I mean, there were some shows that were being run specifically, I think, in 2016 that you just kind of looked at it and were like, what in the world? They're really phoning this thing in, um, you know, with, with with the way they're going at SmackDown or even Raw. You know, and the writing just doesn't seem like it's there. I, I think they've gotten better recently, but let's let's keep them on their toes in the industry and get them and make them deliver a good product. And when that happens, everybody benefits. So with that, that's my breakdown of All In and the just the kind of the sellout of All In. If you're going, congratulations. Um, you know, have a beer on me while you're there. I'll be, again, in town for a wedding that's taking place on September 2nd. Um, but, you know, great things for the wrestling industry, I'm certainly hoping. And uh, I know we all love wrestling. At least I would imagine everybody listening to this podcast does. So have a great rest of the week, and I will talk to everybody again soon. Thanks.